Hello and welcome again to Irreligiosophy, the one true podcast where we promote martyrdom for Christianity ever since January 2009. That's true. Uh, I'm Chuck and uh, that idiot is Leighton. Today uh, we're going to do a podcast. I prefer the term of retard, thank you very much. We're going to do a podcast on Christian persecution. <laughs> Fact and myths. I am all for all those Christians out there being martyrs for Jesus. First, you want to hit some reviews, emails, fan stuff? Uh, we don't Do we have, have any, any fans, but we, we did have one review where I'm still trying to figure out what the title means. I want to be number 41. Do you have any idea what that means? Yeah, he wants to be the 41st listener. Now, are you going to let him be that number, or you just give uh, numbers out to girl fans? Uh, girl fans, they're the only ones that get them. <laughs> now, the reason why I like this, guys, is because he, he says that he listens to the show, loves it, finds it hilarious, has a Mormon wife, and he actually allows her to listen to our show. That That's kind of risky, dude. That is scary. I like the last thing he said, that uh, he lives in the Bible Belt, basically. He doesn't think they believe literally, but they won't deny it because they were raised that way and are fearful of disappointing their moms. <laughs> Well, I think that's the one difference between you and I and them, is we actually like making our mothers cry. We don't mind disappointing our moms. Yeah, I've been disappointing my mom since birth. I also like Where Have These Guys Been All My Life by Buffalo David. I found this podcast by accident and loved it. The right combination of blasphemy, scorn, and fun with just enough scholarship to keep it legit. Uh, let's see... Blasphemy, that's me. Scorn, that's me. Fun, that's me. Scholarship, that's me. Leighton, you serve no purpose on this show. I'm the last one. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. Um, shall we move on to the Mims Carter Skunk Dick of the Week? Uh, well, you know, each week I look forward to the Mims Carter Skunk Dick, and uh, let's give it to them. Let's cornhole our listeners with the Skunk Dick. All right, the uh, first candidate for Skunk Dick of the Week, following our uh, theme of Christian persecution, is Emperor Flavius Theodosius, who in 380 made Christianity the official exclusive religion of the Roman Empire and called non-Christians loathsome, heretic, stupid, and blind, as well as insane. Well... Technically, he used all politically correct words because he didn't call any of them retards, so I like this guy. Uh, we'll get into his persecution of pagans later. Um, our second skunk dick of the week is Glenn Beck, and that's just on general principle, I think. Yeah, that and the dude's just a chode, plain I mean, on, and simple. On the flip side, he's always whining and crying about how Christians are being persecuted, even though they make up three-quarters of the nation. And when we say crying, we literally mean he's always crying. That's That right there is enough to make him a skunk dick. He's absolutely bawling his beady little eyes out. Now, the third candidate uh, is Mims Carter. Really? Mims Carter made it to the list a third time. Well, that's fascinating. Why did he make the list? Well, um, he actually made the list, because we have to keep with our theme, because he's persecuting us. <laughs> he sent us an That's email saying uh, that he, he's won his own award over skunk dicks like Rick Warren and an Anglican priest you misidentify as Catholic. Now, 
That kind of nitpickery is what gets you on Skunk Dick of the Week. <laughs> that, and I don't think I give two shits whether it's an Anglican or a Catholic. I can't be asked to keep up with all this Christian sex. Whether I mean, tell me what the difference is between Anglicans and Catholics. Oh, I have no Episcopalians idea. and Methodists. I mean, come on. Who gives yes. a shit? I agree. <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, they're all the same. All right, um... My vote is for Emperor Flavius Theodosius. I'm what's, sorry. What's your vote? I'm, I'm sorry. Glenn Beck is a much bigger skunk dick. I mean, the dude has a much wider audience to cry at than your emperor. So, Glenn Beck the is the entire my vote. Roman emperor. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> yes, Glenn Beck is an impressive skunk dick. All right. Well, let's tally up the votes then. All right. Stand by. Analysis verified. All right, we've just had it spit out of the computer, and the winner is... Hey, hey this can't be right. Uh, Mims Carter won for a third week in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to suspect he's cheating. I, I, you know, uh, I think he's somehow hacked our computer <laughs> and is now voting for himself. That, that's just not fair. <laughs> How can how can Mims Carter beat out Glenn Beck? That's just an well, impossibility. He's cheating. The winner and still champion, undefeated, Mims Carter Skunk Dick of the Week. Three weeks running. That's, that, that's, that's unprecedented. That's impressive. I, I don't think we've ever had anybody win that the Skunk Dick that many times. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're going to have to go back and check the records, but I believe you're right. <laughs> Well, we'll get back to you guys on that one. It'll take us a long time to check the records. <laughs> it requires some actual research. <laughs> now, the idea for this podcast came to me when I was reading the top ten anti-Christian attacks of 2009. These are the absolute worst persecutions suffered by Christians in the year 2009. And well, this this is horrifying, truly This horrifying. ought to be pretty bad if, if they're comparing today's persecutions with uh, yesterday's. I'm just going to go over uh, some of the most uh, um, un horrendous, yeah. horrendous uh, unforgivable, such as number eight. HBO's program, Curb Your Enthusiasm, aired an episode where the main actor urinates on a painting of Jesus. When confronted, HBO would not apologize. <laughs> well, um, first and foremost, why is anybody even watching that show? It's the gayest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. <laughs> So that that can't even be considered a, an attack because nobody even watches it. Yeah, that's um that's masochism is what's that that's considered. <laughs> you deserve it if you you deserve to be offended if you watch that show. Especially if you're religious in any way. Number 7. The overt homosexual participation in Obama's presidential inaugural events by quote bishop Vicki Eugene Robinson, the Gay Men's Chorus of Washington, D.C., and a homosexual marching band. Were uh, they got... actually committing homosexual acts right in front of people? Because if not, I, I just can't fathom a reason to even have that. I got news for the guy. The term homosexual marching band is redundant. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a very good point there, actually. As well as gay men's chorus. So you might as well just drop the gay. It's it's implicit. <laughs> just say men's chorus. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow that's anti-Christian. Um, 
well, being in a men's chorus, uh, well, you know, Christians have men's choruses, so uh, maybe they just don't like being outed. Well, let's skip all the way down to uh, the number ones. This is the worst anti-Christian attack of the year 2009. Oh, this this ought to be bad. Well, hold on to the edge of your seats, folks. Um, th- this is... Compared to the stuff that we're about to talk about, that that stuff's nothing. This is unbelievable. Number one, the federal hate crimes bill that attacks religious liberty and freedom of speech. For the first time in our history, ministers are vulnerable to investigation and prosecution for telling the truth about homosexuality. Oh, you got to be shitting me. That's the number one anti-Christian attack of 2009. So, by giving gays civil rights, we're attacking Christians? I had no idea that Christ even talked about gays. I thought that was all Paul. <laughs> well, Christ was talking through Paul. You know, when you bend somebody over, you, you got to tell yeah. them something. Well, you know, it's it's like those latent homosexual desires. You just kind of got to be mean to all the homos because, you know, you got it deep inside of you. He does look quite feminine on most of his paintings. <laughs> Well, now, uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, you Christians out there, you have my sympathy for these persecutions. Yeah, let's talk about some of the trivial persecutions that happened in the past. Um, they're nothing. They pale in comparison to the to de- the year 2009, which I'm sure will go down in infamy for anti-Christian behavior. <laughs> Yes, yes, especially uh, uh, my absolute favorite when they're all lit on fire and used to light the garden. <laughs> that was under Nero. <laughs> yeah, I love Nero. That dude is awesome. <laughs> well, let's start out with some of the myths, all right? Um, all, right all right. Myth one, Christianity was illegal in the Roman Empire. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Uh <laughs> In fact, uh, the governors were the ones that ruled the provinces and therefore given uh, the local authority, and uh, they were just kind of there to keep the peace and raise the taxes. But it was, well, it was illegal at two points, but they were very quick points. It was brief. Um, uh, it was illegal under um, Decius, I think, for, for a whopping two years. Yep. Uh, and then uh, under the great persecution of Diocletian from 303 to 312 I think. Other than that it yeah, wasn't it was illegal. Yeah. It wasn't illegal to be a Christian. Yeah, um, well, you know, that's that's actually not what I was told uh, growing up because I remember sitting down and hearing about these early Christians just being completely persecuted for their belief in Christ by all these pagans. And uh, as far as I knew that was truth. As soon as Christ was born, the Christians got out there. All of a sudden, all the Romans just didn't like them because they were Christian and following the one true. And therefore, God was the one, or excuse me, Satan was the one fighting against God's plan. Right, absolutely. Um, you know, myth number two, Christians hid out from Roman authorities in the catacombs. <laughs> I don't know where the hell that came from, but I heard yeah. it. Yeah, I, you know I what? I bet too. there are probably some movies in the '40s or '50s that shows Christians hiding from the Romans in the catacombs, and that's where that came from. Yeah, because there is yeah. no documentary or evidentiary support for that hypothesis. Well, I mean, the Romans were buried in the catacombs, and later so were the Christians. So, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Myth number three: Christians were persecuted because of their Christian religion. That makes 
absolute perfect sense to me because we all know that Satan is just so evil that he will do anything in his power to stop this, including, according to Kent Hovind, create evolution from the time of Adam and Eve. <laughs> That's another myth. <laughs> uh, yeah, they weren't, uh, well, like I said, we'll probably get into a little bit of this later. They weren't persecuted because they were Christian. They were persecuted, because, by and large, um, polytheism is very tolerant, right? Yeah. You introduce a new god, they're like, oh, I didn't know about that god. Well, you know, I'll throw some incense on his altar. I'll sacrifice an animal to that guy. I don't want to piss him off. Yeah. Uh, so the Christians weren't persecuted because they were Christian. They were persecuted because they didn't uh, sacrifice to the state imperial gods. And if if you piss off a god, I mean, take uh, the Spartans. Everybody loves the Spartans because of the movie 300. The Spartans weren't at the Battle of Marathon because they were appeasing the gods. They had a celebration for the gods, and you do not want to piss off a god if you want to win a war, have good crops, so on and so forth. It's the same reason at the Battle of Thermopylae why they only sent 300, because once again the Persians were attacking during the festival for these gods, and therefore you do not piss off the gods. Now, if anything bad happens, it's because you pissed off a god, which is kind of funny, because the Christians are the exact same way. They just don't realize it. Because if anything bad happens, it's Satan who's doing this. Whereas if you're yeah. pagan, anything bad happens, it's a, a god. You've just pissed off a god. So where's the difference here? It's a bit of a different mindset for pagans, because Christians are Christian primarily so that they can avoid hell and get into heaven, right? Yeah. Pagans worshipped their gods, and there wasn't any doctrine, really, in pagan theology. <laughs> uh, there wasn't any like systematic theology. Um, that was for the philosophers to sort out. Pagan religion really was a contract between you and the gods. Um, n number one rule is don't piss off any gods, right? Yeah. You try not to go you piss off any of the gods. Because the god of the ocean, if you ever have to sail, will strike you down, <laughs> destroy your boat, and sink everyone on it. Um, <laughs> Or he'll send storms, you know. The god of business, you know, you might get cheated if you piss this guy off. Um, you know, Zeus might kill you with a lightning bolt. Um, the god of the harvest uh, would help you if you didn't piss him off. If you offered sacrifice to him and you honored him, he'd help you bring back a, a, a great harvest. You know, survival was by the skin of the teeth in these times. Yeah, Very exactly. difficult proposition. So they wanted any help that they could possibly get, and honoring the gods in their mind would ensure that the, you know there wasn't a drought, there wasn't a famine, there wasn't a big plague, all of this stuff. That's the pagan religion. And think about these Christians coming in, refusing to worship not only these gods, so now you're, you're risking offending the gods, and when gods get offended, they don't typically, like the biblical god, they don't typically just zero in with precise smart bombs, they destroy <laughs> entire villages, right? Yeah, so you're it's risking a communal the, damage. Yeah, you're risking the safety of your village if you're allowing these, these Christians to continue to live in your village and piss off the gods at the same time. They Not only did they do that, they wouldn't sacrifice the gods. They wouldn't sacrifice to the emperor either. Um, Romans typically believed that there was a divine portion of the emperor. Uh, and uh, if you didn't sacrifice to the emperor, it's kind of the same thing as taking an American flag and pissing on it. Yeah. Well, see, I mean, it it's was a political it was a, statement. 
Exactly. And it was a belief back then that anyone with great, great power did have a little bit of the gods inside of them, hence the emperor. And you're absolutely right. If if you aren't honoring the emperor by, uh, you know, uh, all, all these Christians were required to do was burn a little incense, say a little oath. They didn't even have to mean it. All they had to do was do it. And they would have been fine and dandy, but they chose to piss in the emperor's face. So, um, let's take this chronologically, the persecutions uh, of the Christians. Um, Another myth was that um, the Roman emperors were involved in, you know, all these persecutions. And by and large, that that is not the case. Or that, uh, you know, the Roman governors were dragging these people, these Christians, and hunting them down. By and large, not the case. Yeah. Uh, so the first mention we have of any, quote, Christian persecution is... My favorite, of course. Uh, well, it's one before him. It's it's possibly Claudius, who expelled the Jews and Christians from Rome. Uh, remember in Suetonius, he says, of the instigation oh, yeah. of Christus. That actually is mentioned in Acts 18.2, uh, when Paul says that um, there are these people who would be kicked out of Rome. So, <laughs> in the year 49, and that would have been under Claudius. Um, now, again... He's not kicking them out because they're Christian. He's kicking them out because they're rioting. (laughs) (laughs) You don't riot, they're not going to get kicked out. Now the next one, in the year 64, under Nero, and this we get from Tacitus. Yeah. There's a fire in Rome. Uh, Very shortly after the fire, according to Tacitus, now I've got to have this caveat here because Tacitus seems to have an axe to grind against Nero. He doesn't like Nero. Nero's yeah. very unpopular. Uh, <laughs> didn't fare well, well in history, and Tacitus if certainly it's didn't true. like it. If Tacitus is, is telling the truth, then there's a reason why Nero wasn't very popular. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a fire in Rome. Very shortly after, Nero builds an imperial palace <laughs> on top of all the stuff that was burned down. <laughs> now, mm, that's just coincidence in my book. This is not a popular move. Uh, people start naturally suspecting that Nero started the fire or ordered the fire to be started to, to clear the way for this new imperial palace. Uh, and um, what do you do if you've got an a- accusation coming? You make counter-accusations. Right. And he, he casts about and says, well, who is the people who would be most easily scapegoated, who are the least liked? And they he hits upon the Christians, who were a brand new sect, right? Uh, if yep. Jesus lived okay. and died in the year 30... Then they're uh, less than a you know thirty five years old. Yep, um, very no, young. No, no one likes them because they do a lot of their stuff in secret. <laughs> <laughs> and see, that was also one of the huge, yeah. huge issues with the Christians is they did everything in secret. It's the same as the Mormons, right? If you do stuff in yeah. secret, the natural assumption is why aren't you doing that in public? What nasty what things are you, are you doing to hide? that yeah, you're trying to hide? What are you trying to hide? And that's where rumors come from, and hence anger, persecution, so on and so forth. Right. It's interesting that though Tacitus mentions that uh, Nero blamed the Christians, Suetonius doesn't. So anyway, uh, apparently according to Tacitus, Christians were rounded up, rolled in pitch, and set on fire to provide light at night. Light his gardens, yes, Nero's gardens. Nero may have been following um, the New Testament um, where it says, I am the light of the world. I'm not sure. (laughs) possibility. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Also, possibly following Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. I'm not, again, 
I'm not you know, certain. Maybe that's possible. why when they say sunbeam, it's sunbeam. <laughs> <laughs> Others he had rolled in animal skins and uh, had dogs that they kept uh, without food for days. Set those really hungry dogs on them, and they they ate them. Now, I love Nero. <laughs> yeah, he did. You know, Nero was absolutely crazy. Um, he's the guy uh, who who did this not only to the Christians. You know, Christians. If this actually happened, there were only one small portion of it. He he had a bunch of people impaled, crucified, tortured in front of him. He was just uh, absolutely insane. Uh, but but keep in mind. Why were the Christians in this case persecuted? Because of the fires. Because Nero said they set the Rome on fire, right? Yeah. He's not persecuting them because they're Christians. He's persecuting them essentially because they're convenient scapegoats. Yeah, because they're there, nobody likes them, because they're not sacrificing right. to the gods, they're pissing off the gods. Right. And so they're just the the perfect scapegoat. Hey, look at that. Kick their ass. Also, this is not an empire-wide persecution. This is limited only to the city of Rome. Uh-huh. So, uh, that's possibly... that Tacitus is our only source for that, and we know that he doesn't like Nero, so that's possibly a Christian persecution. Uh, the next one I have is one of my favorites. It's Ignatius of Antioch in, in the year 110. Ignatius was uh, a bishop of Antioch, and uh, this guy wrote a series of letters on his way to be martyred. And he is uh, gleeful in these letters. He's um, telling them, uh, I'm writing to all the churches as he's traveling this long distance. Uh, and I enjoin all that I am dying willingly for God's sake. If only you do not prevent it. I beg you, do not do me an untimely kindness. Allow me to be eaten by the beasts, which are my way of reaching to God. I am God's wheat. I am to be grounded by the teeth of the wild beasts, so that I may become the purebred of Christ. Ah, this guy, he's crazy. And the funny thing is, is all Christians back then were absolutely crazy. They were trying to imitate the death or passion of Christ as, so I assume so they could meet Christ honorably. So, I mean, this dude is actually encouraging everybody, hey, you know, uh, get the beasts more angry. Get them after me. Come on now. Uh, let, let them bite my ass here because I want to reach God faster, and he I don't is, want to be a burden on anyone. He is reveling in his upcoming martyrdom. He cannot wait to be martyred. These guys aren't persecuting Ignatius. They are granting his fondest desire. This is I no mean, persecution. I see Ignatius as going to them and saying, Hey, look at me. I don't please, like you. Please. <laughs> uh, about a year or two later, we have the letter from Pliny the Younger to Emperor Trajan. And uh, he's... Uh, Trajan, again, we've covered this briefly in, a, in another podcast. Yeah, Trajan is um, given this decree that uh, you cannot gather because he's afraid of people getting together and plotting his death. So Pliny the Younger is the uh, governor of the province of Bithynia. And uh, there are a bunch of Christians gathering in the early dawn, before the sun rises, and meeting together. And uh, his idea is that he'll bring them out and have them uh, offer incense to the altar of the emperor. And if they uh, deny that they're Christians and offer incense, then he'll let them go. Yep. If they won't then they'll be executed. And he writes Trajan a letter and says, is this is this okay? And Trajan says, yeah, that sounds reasonable. But, you know, if they recant, then uh, set them free. So, again, this isn't a crime, right? 
it's not like you can punch someone in the face and then say, hey, sorry, I punched you in the face, and then get off the hook for it. No, no, this isn't like they've been going out there murdering people, so on and so forth, and it's just like, oh, that's okay, you said you're sorry. This is, hey, you know, offer up the proper tribute, the proper worship to the emperor. So this is a crime of treason, a political act against yes. the state. So again, they're not being persecuted because they worship Christ. No. The Romans couldn't care less. They have tons and tons of divine beings that people are worshiping all the time. The The thing that Pliny and Trajan are concerned with is they will not offer sacrifices to the Roman gods uh, or to the emperor. Yeah, That's why they're being persecuted. <laughs> and I know if I was a Roman out there and I was the emperor, I would sure as hell beat their asses. Uh, all right, so we're going to skip forward to the year 156 with Polycarp, Bishop of Smyrna. Oh, Polycarp. There's an interesting sort of fella. I mean, this dude, he was what, in his 80s when this went on? Yeah, he was 86. Um, what happened was that uh, the the populace of Smyrna is mostly pagan at this time. And, you know, they're they're having some hard times. And so, again, they're looking around, see, you know, what could... Who could be responsible for these hard times that we're having, these calamities or disasters? And <laughs> they happen upon the Christians because they're not honoring the gods, right? And yeah. so Christians are rounded up and they're executed publicly. And uh, the crowds now are saying, execute their leader, and that'll get rid of them, right? Yeah. And who's their leader? Polycarp. Now, the interesting thing about this particular sequence is the Christians were trying to tie as much similarity to Jesus as, and his death as they possibly could. In fact, they state that Polycarp predicted his own death. He knew the manner of his death, which was being burned at the stake. He would be betrayed by a member of his own household. And uh, interestingly enough, Herod was the name of the officer who arrested him, and that he would be portrayed riding into town on a donkey, so on and so forth. So yeah, they were, we're doing... Not... We're not quite sure how much of this is factual and how much of this is written to match up with the story of the exactly. New Testament. Exactly. This um, is more the Christians uh, tying everything together to Christ as they possibly could. I would hasten to point out that uh, Polycarp you know, had a dream that his pillow was on fire, and so he said to the people around him that, that it must be that I, I, I die by fire. Um, of <laughs> course... He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, he didn't, which is kind of funny how they tied that in. Right. He was wrong. Um, and it's interesting, again, you know, these guys, so they grab Polycarp um, and well, the drag interesting him before thing the, is, the When they went to grab him, the soldiers were looking at him going, what in the world is the rush here? This guy is an old guy. And right. they actually allowed him to sit and pray for two hours before they took him before the governor. Yeah, Polycarp, not not a dumb man, says, um, hey, do you mind if I pray? Oh, sure, go ahead. <laughs> Hours later, the dude's still praying. Yeah. Um, you know, they're like, yeah, what's the rush? If we would have waited a week, the guy probably would have been dead anyway. <laughs> we wouldn't even have to go through this. The dude's 86 years old. I mean, yeah. yeah. So he's grabbed, he's taken before the governor, and the governor says to Polycarp, because he's an old man, he says, come on, what harm is there in saying Caesar is Lord and offering incense? And Polycarp refuses, right? He says, yeah. have respect for your age. Just swear by the genius of Caesar. Now, they're not <laughs> they're not saying Caesar's really smart, right? 
Yeah. The genius, I think, is their term for the divine portion of the emperor. Yeah. Um, yeah. He says, have respect for your age. Swear by the genius of Caesar. T say, away with the atheists. Because, <laughs> I love this too, um, yeah. original Christians were considered atheists because they didn't believe in the gods of Rome. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, that was that was a big thing. They were atheists because they believed in just one god, and it was not the god of Rome. Therefore, they were atheists. To the pagans, they were atheists. They didn't believe in their gods. Um, so, interestingly enough, Polycarp refuses, and he says... Um, to motions to the crowd, and he says, away with the atheist, because they don't believe in his God. So they're throwing <laughs> away this pejorative term, right? Everyone's yeah. an atheist. <laughs> Bastards. Well, and the interesting thing is, is this trial actually occurs in the arena. So he's standing down right. there in front of the crowd, uh, waving at them, saying, eh, you're all atheists, away with you. I mean, talk about instigating just a pissed-off Roman crowd. Again, he doesn't want to be set free. He wants to be martyred. They have this martyr complex. I want to suffer like Christ did. Well, anyway. he actually stated something that was quite telling about the thought process. He said he would rather give up one hour of momentary torture than and escape eternal torment than the other way around. So, I mean, they they were so intent on allowing themselves to be tortured in this life for the idea that they will find paradise in the life after. Yeah, when they're describing, you know, the people who are writing this about Polycarp and the, the uh, persecutions in Smyrna, uh, they said, The fire of their inhuman torturers felt cold to them, for they set before their eyes the escape from that eternal fire that is never extinguished. Yeah, I'd like you to be writing that while you're on fire. Ooh, burn! <laughs> That yeah, flame yeah. is cold. Someone wonder, turn up the heat. I wonder about the one fella who actually had hot copper pressed against his uh, sensitive areas, thought that it was cool as well. <laughs> it felt like ice to him. Yes. Which is yes. also Ooh. uncomfortable. Ooh, my nipples are hard. All right, so a third time the governor says, look, just swear the oath and I'll release you. Revile Christ. Polycarp refuses. The governor a fourth time. Look, would you persuade the masses to let you go, right? I'm going to torture you if you don't. Nope, I refuse. He says something like, um, Christ is taking care of me for 86 years. How can I turn my back on him now? Yeah, so the, the yeah. crowd's incensed. They urge his death. They try, According to the Christians, they try to burn Polycarp at the stake, but the flames, instead of eating him up, form a <laughs> protective sheet around him. And instead of the smell of burning flesh, the sweet odor of baked bread comes out instead. Yeah, a sweet perfume. And not only that, but he isn't tied to the pole. In fact, on the pyre, he says, oh, don't worry about tying me. I will go willingly. And he actually walks onto the pyre himself. Yeah, so they order, they, they can't burn him to death, so they order a gladiator to stab him. He goes over there, stabs him in the side, and a dove flies out of his side. And it flies right up to heaven. And the blood from the wound spurts out and douses the flames, but he's dead. You know, That's how he was martyred. I believe every word of that. That same thing happened to me, except it was a gerbil. You were persecuting a gerbil? <laughs> no, the gerbil climbed out of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these Christians make up the stupidest stories. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's got a dove of inside of him? Are you kidding me? Ugh. All right. Uh, next persecution under Marcus Aurelius in the year 177. The persecutions at Lyon and Vienne. 
Ah, Lyon MVN, the Gauls. This, this is preserved uh, for us by the 4th century historian Eusebius, who was contemporary with uh, Constantine. Uh, he wrote it like a 10-volume work on the history of Christianity. It takes place in Gaul, which is France, during the 2nd century. It's called the Epistle to the Gallicans, I think. And you can look this up. I think Google has Xeroxed this thing in and digitized it. They said that the devil inspired the pagan mobs to persecute Christians. He swooped down with all his might, giving us a foretaste of his advent, right? Which is imminent in the year 177. Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's all apocalyptic. Uh, Jesus has come. Therefore, evil is set upon the world, and soon God will intervene. Yeah, basically, Christians um, can't go into the forum. They can't go into the baths. Uh, apparently, during this time, Christians um, were uh, found out because they were really stinky. <laughs> they yeah, were yeah. taken um, before authorities and arrested, and um, the pagan slaves of some of these Christians were captured, and they're threatened with torture, and so these these slaves <laughs> these slaves don't have the same you know martyr complex as their masters, and they said, "You don't have to torture me. I'll tell you whatever you want." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I gotta tell you, if I was a slave, I'd hand my master over very quickly as well. Whoa, put those hot faggots down. There he is. Um, they said that uh, the slaves said that these Christians, their masters, engaged in Thyestean banquets and Oedipian incest. This is um. <laughs> this Don't is common. The cannibalism. It's a common complaint against early Christians because you hear, you know, stuff about what they do, right? They eat yeah. the uh, flesh of the son and drink his blood, right? This is cannibalism. It's interesting. Yep. Um, Thyestean banquets is a term used because of the Greek myth of Thyestes, who had an affair with his brother, and in order, his brother's wife, I should say. I, I um, was. <laughs> I was just thinking that's a little different than I heard it. <laughs> and to get back at Thyestes, he order he he invites him to this banquet at which he serves him meat, and it's the meat of his sons that he had executed. And then you know at the end of the feast, he he reveals their head and hands. Um, so that's what the Thyestean banquet means. It's cannibalism, and the Oedipian incest. Uh, that's that's you know orgies because you know. The Christians would come and they they consider each other brothers and sisters, and so they'd meet with a kiss and say, you know, greetings, brother, greetings, sister. And so obviously people are overhearing this or thinking, my God, they shouldn't be kissing each other. And not only that, but they're meeting in secret in the dark hours. Of course, to have sex with their brothers and sisters. Exactly. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Bring on the orgies. So um, the governor questioned these guys. Um, they're... they're uh, Sentenced to death because they wouldn't sacrifice to the again they, they they won't even throw some incense onto the altar for the health of the emperor right or, or by the yeah. genius of the emperor, so the governor writes to Marcus Aurelius uh, and he says he agrees with the punishment. Yep, if they don't recant, they should be executed. But they you know if they do recant and they demonstrate by sacrifice, they should be set free. Um, again, they're not being persecuted because they're Christian. They're being persecuted because they are. Uh, doing this treasonous act. The yeah. yeah, they're spitting in the face of Rome, and you do not spit in the face of Rome. So there are all these accounts of the horrible tortures, right? The yeah. Sanctus, for example. Um, all, all he would say to all these questions and tortures was, I am a Christian. My favorite is the description of Blandina. She's one of the women who were uh, hauled in front of the governor. 
uh, it says, you know, they're describing these people, Maturus, a very recent convert, but a noble warrior, Attalus, a Pergamene by race who had ever been a pillar and a foundation of our church, and against Blandina, through whom Christ showed how what appears to men worthless and uncomely and despicable is deemed worthy of great glory by God. <laughs> Jesus, she must have been ugly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's epic ugliness there, if they actually have to state it in that <laughs> phrase. Blandina may have been the first butterface. <laughs> I don't even think she's a butterface with that sort of description. <laughs> I mean, we're talking the whole package is horrible. So, um... Eventually, these guys were killed, you know, all of them, uh, by wild beasts. Their bodies were displayed for six days to show people, you know, what happens to Christians. And then, uh, despite pleas to have them buried, they were dismembered, burned, and their ashes were cast in the sea <laughs> to mock God, you know, the, the idea of resurrection. They're like, oh, you think you're going to be resurrected, huh? Good luck! <laughs> That's my favorite. Uh, what bodies are you going to be resurrected in when we just destroyed your bodies? Uh, that That is actually pretty funny to me. The year uh, 180, we have um, in the oldest Christian document from North Africa, it's called the Acts of the Skeleton Martyrs. Twelve Christians, seven men, five women, uh, were executed. They were tried by a proconsul named Vigelius Saturninus. Um, a man named Speritus, the principal spokesman. It's a pretty short document, but it, it's really interesting because it's the account of this trial, right? And it has kind of a back and forth, the dialogue. Um, Speritus says, you know, we've lived a quiet moral life. We pay tax on all of our purchases. We honor the emperor, blah, blah, blah. Proconsul says, great, why don't you just swear upon the genius of the emperor and toss some incense? Speritus says, I do not recognize the empire of this world, but rather do I serve that God whom no man hath seen, nor with these eyes can see. And so <laughs> Saturninus Shit. goes, Jesus, um, how about you just think about it over the next 30 days? The guy really doesn't want to kill these people, right? No, just no. have 30 days to think it over. They refuse, and they're executed. It wouldn't even take a month to think it over. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he just spit in their face. He's like, look, I don't want to kill you. Just think about it. And this is the funniest thing about uh, Christians going back saying, oh, you know, Christians were martyred for Christ, so on and so forth. They weren't martyred for Christ because they weren't liked and no one liked Christ. They were martyred because they were stupid. There are Christians at this time. We have documents um, saying that for theological reasons you shouldn't be martyred. Christ suffered so that you don't have to. Christ exactly. died so you don't have to. So do what they want. It's meaningless. They have no gods. The gods have no power. The only power is within God and Christ. So throw the little incense on the um, altar and swear by the genius of the emperor and uh, go on your way. There's no point yeah. in suffering. Christ already did for you. And see, uh, those were the smart Christians. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, Tertullian is writing around this time. Um, he writes that uh, the blood of the martyrs is seed. Uh, it you know people people see this stuff. They see these people standing up for their beliefs, getting torn up, you know, paying the ultimate price, and they start thinking, "Wow, there may be something to this religion." Or at the very least, they feel sorry for these people, yeah. and you know, say, "You know, God, we need to stop um, doing this. It's senseless." Um, Tertullian actually writes uh, that you know. <laughs> Every calamity, every disaster, whether it's 
flood, whether it's uh, drought, whether it's <laughs> plague, <laughs> pestilence, famine. Yeah, uh, too much rain, too little rain, right. everything. Everything. Yeah. Immediately, the people say, away with the Christians to the lions, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because every calamity is are seen by these pagans as... Uh, uh, divine events, right? It's the gods. The gods are pissed off for some reason. Hmm, I wonder why. The Christians aren't worshipping and paying respect to the gods. So, in the year 203, we have what may be um, the stupidest and most senseless martyrdom, the martyrdom of Perpetua. Oh, this woman just pisses me off. Oh. She is a 22-year-old mother... She has a, a young baby who's still um, breastfeeding. Yeah, still suckling. And this woman actually goes in there with the full intent of being a martyr. She is highly educated. She can read and write. We have her own words on most of this stuff uh, because her little diary was uh, preserved by Christians who followed her. And there's a little yeah. addendum about what happened to her. Yeah, the only thing that wasn't in her words was the a short preface and then, of course, uh, the description of her martyrdom. Right, um, because they wouldn't allow her to take the diary in and write while she's getting eaten up by the lions. Well, I don't know. I think that would make sense for someone this stupid. Just just <laughs> keep writing. Yeah, what bothers me the most is that it's, she's not stupid. It's um, She's just blinded. She's 22. Yeah. She's a female. She's massively educated. Uh, which by itself is extremely unusual for a female in the year 200. Yeah. Um, her father obviously loves her very much. When she's carted up um, by the populace and brought before the governor, the the father's there. You know, he says, "Please take pity on me. Take what? pity on your son, for God's sakes." Actually, what is your before son that, do? before that happened, the father went in there. And he said, he tried to understand her reasons, tries to convince her, hey, for your, your child's sake, just give up, say you're not a Christian. And she makes this asinine revelation. She's like, well, you see that vase there? He's like, yes. Well, can you call it anything but a vase? He says, no. And she says, well, I cannot be called anything but a Christian. And then she actually states in her diary that her father gets so angry that he comes toward her as if he's going to pluck her eyes out and then just turns around and walks off. I'd be pissed off at this woman, too. She is about to go get herself killed. She's 22. She's young. She's intelligent. But she's young and she's stupid. Uh, if I were a father, I would have said, yes, you can call it a jug. <laughs> a bottle, a pan, a bowl. <laughs> call it a goddamn it boat if you want. It'll, It'll you float. Can call it a, you can call it a vase. And she's like, no, I can't be called anything other than a Christian. Oh, for God's sakes. Yeah. Um, so she's dragged before the guy. And even the governor is saying, take pity on your father. <laughs> take pity Look on your father's gray hairs. <laughs> <laughs> and she won't. She she says no I'm a, I'm a Christian and so um, he steps forward and says please think of your son and uh, the governor has him hauled off and beaten and she says I felt I felt it just as keenly if I was beat myself of course oh, didn't do anything about it but yeah she so she's dragged uh, off uh, she's dragged off um, and and she's sitting in in prison for a while uh, and she has a dream that she turns into a man. <laughs> 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 Which, once again, these these Sexist. stupid 
Christian similes are just retarded. So sexist. You know, if uh, Kent Hovind thinks that Charles Darwin is a racist, um, then this lady should be thought a sexist. And, and apparently all of the pagan world as well, because the, the word for courage in Greek is to is to be like a man. <laughs> <laughs> so she turns into a man, because obviously God can't help a woman defeat a man. He has to turn her into a man. And uh, she says that he, she's fighting against an Egyptian, and Christ yeah. is right there. And he, he says, you know, uh, I'm here for you, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she defeats the Egyptian. And uh, I don't know what that has to do with anything, because she ended up getting killed anyway. Yeah, yeah. Basically, Christ's statement. He he walks in. Oh, he's, with he's, he's, a, he's there beside. Yeah, yeah. He, he walks beside. in with, uh, he's a giant at this point. He has uh, a wand and a green branch, and he basically says to her, if the Egyptian defeats you, you will be slayed. If you win, he will give her the branch. So, I mean, it it's just makes absolutely no sense, but these Christians latched onto this dream of hers and said that she prophesied her own death. Right, which was bizarre because how she actually died. <laughs> they take her out, and they take out a Christian slave who apparently is... You know, was wrenched right from childbirth because her breasts are still lactating, uh, and so they're stripped naked. And the crowd says, "Oh my God, this is horrible! Uh, look at her; she's lactating. <laughs> Put some clothes on before you kill them." <laughs> <laughs> oh God! And that cracks me up because they're just like, you know what? Just put some clothes on. There's too much lactating. And what do they send out to actually kill them? A heifer. <laughs> because they thought it would be cute to send out a female to devour a female. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, is the heifer kills the slave girl, but they have to send out a gladiator to strike Perpetua down. And actually, this is kind of fascinating. The gladiator stabs her, but his knife or sword or whatever it is, it is stopped by a bone, so it doesn't hit her heart. And she actually reaches out, takes the gladiator's hand pulls the knife up to her throat and slashes her own throat. So, again, this isn't a martyrdom. This is suicide. This is exactly... All these martyrs we've talked about so far, they're pretty much suicides, because at any point they could have said, eh, here's some incense, I swear by the genius of the emperor, went about on their way and continued to worship Christ. It's the yeah. exclusivity of the religion, the fact that they say, only Christ and nobody else, and that the God, their God is a jealous God, that's what kills these people. It's suicide. Yeah, and it's just absolutely retarded. They were seeking death because they thought that would bring me to Christ faster. That would win me the kingdom. And uh, this woman slashes her own goddamn throat. Are you shitting all, me? All of these documents are written by Christians and preserved and copied by Christians. So all these um, governors who are saying... Uh, come on, people, <laughs> just recant. Uh, I want to let you go. That's all from the mouths of Christians, right? Yeah, and that's a pretty good source when the Christians, your enemies, are stating these guys were trying to let them go. So um, in the year 250, we have the actual first empire-wide persecution of Christians under the emperor Decius, who, who ruled um, for the massive time span of 249 to 251. <laughs> uh, he, he passes a decree that says all the inhabitants of the empire are required to sacrifice before the magistrates of their community, you know, for the safety of the empire, 
um, by a certain date, which would vary across the empire. Um, When they uh, sacrificed, they would obtain a certificate called a labellus, recording the fact that they had complied with the order so they wouldn't be executed. Yeah. Um, And very interesting, some Christians... Well, this is pagans. rather honest of them, too. Yeah. <laughs> they bribed some pagans to get this certificate. <laughs> <laughs> so they paid some pagan. The pagan's like, sweet, setting up shop, right? I'll go sacrifice, and I'll go sacrifice again. Yeah, I know keep... if I was a pagan, I'd do it. <laughs> oh, damn straight. And other Christians <laughs> just did the sacrifice, and then they were, they were canon afterwards. And again, Jesus, your whole uh, Christianity, your whole Christian religion is built on Christ dying for your sins and to enabling you to repent, right? And be yeah. forgiven. So why don't you just sacrifice and then repent two days later? Who gives a fuck? Well, see, and that's that's where this becomes suicide. They all had the opportunity to turn aside, well, except for Narrows. He was just, you know, using them as a scapegoat. But they weren't, the they others... weren't being uh, persecuted because they were Christians, right? They were just scapegoats. Yeah, yeah, and um, and this, even this, was because he was trying to gain favor with the gods. You don't piss off the gods, and these Christians were pissing off the gods. Right, right. So uh, when he died in 251, the empire-wide persecution died with him. And, you know, there were sporadic and local persecutions, nothing empire-wide again until the year 303 with Diocletian. Yeah. This is called the Great Persecution. Um, it lasts ten years until Constantine became the emperor. Basically, he uh, imprisoned Christian leaders. He burnt their books. He destroyed the Christian churches. He took all their money and put it into the coffers of the pagans. He removed class privilege from Christian citizens. So it's like you know being broken in the military. You're, you have no class privileges anymore. <laughs> um, he passed a law in 304 requiring all subjects to sacrifice to Roman gods. Um, and you know, and he basically, this was uh, for these nine or ten years what Christians typically think of as the first three hundred years of Roman and Christian relations, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely funny considering uh, how much the Christians from these years onward persecuted anybody who did not believe the way they did. Well, sure, um, when. When uh, Constantine takes over uh, in 313, issues the Edict of Milan, which grants tolerance to Christians, um, uh, nearly immediately <laughs> the Christians turn around and start persecuting the pagans. <laughs> I and mean, actually, yeah. um, uh, very exactly the same. Uh, Constantine himself uh, loots pagan. Uh, temples, <laughs> takes their funds, and starts pouring them into Christian churches. Exactly. And this, that's something that has always pissed me off about uh, about Christians. I mean, you go there, you go to Rome, you uh, you see the uh, the gladiatorial arena sitting there, and it's completely stripped bare bone, and you find out that they took the stone from the arena and they actually put it in their their cathedrals, their temples. And it always pissed me off because they were degrading that portion of history so they could make their buildings better. Uh, I mean, that happened all the time, though. And the, yeah. the pyramids it, were stripped because um, other building projects. And it's just easier to grab stuff from that than go and quarry it yourself. Oh, I realize it. It just pisses me off because I always want to see it in its grandeur. Oh, sure. So from here on out, uh, the Christians persecute the pagans 
exactly the same, probably even worse uh, than the pagans persecuted Christians. Um, and again, they and they not only persecuted pagans, they persecuted other Christian sects. <laughs> <laughs> the first known heretic to be put to death was Priscillian in the year 385 A.D., a mere 70 years after the uh, Edict of Milan. Um, he's an ascetic bishop of Avila. He was put to death with six of his followers by other Christians for heresy. Unbelievable. <laughs> Um, I wonder what, if he's much like Quintus, who brought all of his Christians forward to be killed and then chickened off right at the end. So, so what we've just done is given you the facts that we have on the uh, persecution of the Christians. Um, and to me, it seems completely needless. Uh, the, almost none of that had to happen. Uh, some of it was the fault of the pagans. A lot of it was the was the stubbornness and. Um, they're just recalcitrant. They absolutely won't back down. But also, it also has to do with the martyrdom complex and the suffering, and it's part and parcel of the religion. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do in the next episode, a week from now, we're going to give you information that you rarely get anywhere else. We're going to talk about persecution of the pagans by the Christians. This, yes. This, from from the death of Christ to Constantine, and from Constantine all the way down uh, to the Middle Ages and the Inquisition, this is why our founding fathers wanted to separate church and state. You know, all these pleas for tolerance. Dear God, let us worship how and where we may. <laughs> just be tolerant. We're just Christians. We don't do anything wrong. Within a single generation, it's flipped, and they're persecuting the shit out of the pagans. You what? never, ever should have ecclesiastical power in the same hands as a secular power. Those should always be kept separate. But we were founded as a Christian nation, though, so... Oh, God. <laughs> so, next next week's episode, we're going to go ahead and, and uh, catalog for you the egregious persecutions of uh, the pagans by our meek and mild Christians. Yeah, which we all know is going to be a short episode. It'll probably take all of three or four minutes. We'll see you then. Oh, my God.